The Grizz Den Podcast 2021 offseason is presented by Walker Financial Management. John Morant is an NBA superstar and the engine of the Grizzlies offense. But he would be the first to tell you it takes consistent support from teammates, coaches, trainers, and advisors for him to be the most successful on and off the court. In the same way, small business owners are the engines of their companies and wear lots of hats. Walker Financial Management exists to support owners of small to medium-sized businesses, specifically in regards to bookkeeping. They offer customizable solutions like transaction categorization, monthly financial statement preparation, accounts receivable, and payable management, payroll, CFO services, and more. If you or someone you know is spending too much time, money, or stress on bookkeeping, find peace of mind by, by visiting www.walkerfm.com to schedule a free consultation with a certified bookkeeping professional today. Again, that's www.walkerfm.com. Welcome to the third annual NBA Draft Live Reaction Edition of the Grizz Den Pod. It was quite the night for the Grizzlies. It might not be over. We'll see. We're recording this actually at the very end of the first round. And there was a a trade-up with the final pick of the first round yet again that the Grizzlies had. And we... Started recording early, and you got our actual live reactions of that that I'm going to put in at the end of this section of the pod. So you'll get that later on. It's riveting. We (laughs) give you so much info on the draft pick there, so you'll be waiting on pins and needles to hear that, I know. But, um, guys, we have another member of the Grizzlies and that is Zaire Williams, taken with the 10th overall pick. Before we get to our reactions on Williams, what I want to do here is I want to take us through the first nine picks before Williams and kind of get, you know, where where were emotions for each of these picks. And uh, we'll take everybody through kind of the, the roller coaster that was the top 10. Because it was crazy. I mean, it was very unexpected. Um, before we get into that, I'll welcome Brantley Davidson to the podcast. Let's <clears throat> let's go. <laughs> hey, Ty. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to know how many hours of YouTube videos Ty Smith has watched. I the actually past would month. love a projection on that. What do you think? Too many. That's for sure. No, just two? Like hours or like uh, no, like T-O-O many. Could we, like... Let's say two hours a day, every day, for the past 10 days. 20, 20 hours? For real? Almost Probably. a full day. Maybe. Of videos. Maybe. Have you hung out with Hatcher, your son, lately? Oh, yeah. This is like lunch break at work and okay, stuff like cool. that. Yeah, what yeah. does he I think? don't really watch them at home. 
Okay. Just when I'm free at work. So Love when it. You're sitting by the vending machines in the lunchroom by yourself. That's right. If we had a vending machine and a lunchroom, I'd be all over that. Oh, okay. But it's just kind of me at my desk. So which you're is also stealing nice. time. Totally. From your company. I'm a, I'm a time thief. <laughs> all right. Let's go through the first 10 picks. 20 hours is probably strong. I'm going to bump it down like 15. Maybe 15. Which first is too many. pick of the draft was, was Cade Cunningham. Was there any surprise? I say no. Nah. It was reported earlier in the day. Second pick was Jalen Green. No surprise either. I'm pretty sure that was reported two and three earlier in the day. Did all but confirm that those were the two picks. So first three picks were pretty much chalk. Now everybody and their mother expected Jalen Suggs at four to Toronto because Kyle Lowry presumably is not going to be back. And they took Scotty Barnes. That was the first big surprise of the draft. At this point in time, guys, we've been texting a bunch about the options for trading up for the Grizzlies, and Suggs is a guy, I had him number one on my top ten in the podcast that we recorded a few weeks ago, and we had talked about loving Suggs. And so, I think for a split second, we we were running through the different packages it would take to jump up to five, and... This is when it went down. This is when Brantley got depressed. Explain. I mean, after this pick happened, once once five once they took Suggs at five, or yeah, once yeah, we didn't even you. trade up. Yeah, this 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 moment in time is when I checked out. Gotcha. I mean, after we saw five go through, we'll say it that. So way. you said you at this point were like, "All right, we're not going to do anything." Yeah. Is that in my head? See, I, I still thought we could because. But Orlando I, I had two picks, and yeah. five was the one that I felt like they were going to take no matter what. But I think Suggs, with they have Fultz, they have Cole Anthony. Um, you know, Suggs was the best player available, in my opinion, so I think you take him. But it certainly felt more of a fit in Toronto than it did Orlando, which is why it was such a surprise. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, Orlando takes Suggs at five, and then... Six is when I got excited. I don't know about y'all, but the Thunder take Josh Giddy, And there were reports of Giddy being on top of the Grizzlies draft board in their pursuit up to 10. So what, what were y'all's thoughts when we saw Giddy come across? What were I was excited. What did y'all feel? Excited because you didn't want him. Yes. I was like, all right, now we don't have the option. It just felt like a weird fit the whole time. I just never believed that he was a real option hmm. to me. I don't I mean maybe I'm wrong. He could turn out to be, I don't know. Well, he didn't. Luka he he couldn't reason. shoot, which is yeah. why we were pretty hesitant. He could do pretty much everything else, but yeah, I think when we first podcasted, I think I was like just looking. I guess this was a few days ago when we. The rumor that we really liked him at 10. Uh, I'm going to try to remember this next year that rumors before the draft mean absolutely nothing. Amen. That's the theme. Uh, smoke screens galore, as everyone has said. Um, and that's not just with the Grizzlies. That's with, like, every team. Everything. Like, Suggs in Toronto, was it was just like a, you know, mark it down. It's going to happen. And then book night to OKC, definitely going to happen. Like, of course, this is going to happen. Everyone said, like, oh, Golden State's going to take seven and try to find a guy who they can help win now. And they picked Kaminga, maybe, like, the most unready player in the top outside of Zaire, maybe, ready to, like, contribute to winning right now. Um, I don't know. It's just you, you don't really know. 
Uh, but with the giddy thing, I think being and unathletic quick, and can't shoot is tough. Giddy. Tell the tell the fans out there who Giddy is. We mentioned we talked a little bit about him last podcast. Um, yeah, when he uh, when we traded. Yeah, when we, we kind of mentioned he was oh, mentioned in a tweet. Um, just six eight Australian. You were, you were driving from Grenada. Right. Well, I wasn't a part of that. Yeah, I did yeah. listen to the podcast though. Oh yeah. So what do you think? All three of us were glad that we didn't pick him though. <laughs> yes, agreed. I um. So yeah, like you said, Warriors take Kaminga, which was pretty surprising. Um, like you said, they're trying to win now, and Kaminga seems like a project. But I guess they thought, you know, if you're this, if he was what some people thought he could be, upside wise, then why not? But sure, I, I don't know. If I'm a Warriors fan, I'm a little worried. Yeah, and we were talking earlier tonight, Will. You mentioned like, hey, this kind of. I think it was you, Will. Um, someone mentioned like, well, everyone thought. Oh, you get this raw guy with a ton of talent in. Like that's what that was the whole spill on Wiseman last year. It's like, oh, this guy's raw. He's gonna learn the right system. He's gonna plug. Like they're gonna pl- build him up the right way. Put him in the you know right places to win, and that worked out terribly. Um, so I don't think they can really spin it that way this year with Kaminga. Right. Um, but who knows? He may like Projects. play in San. He their G League affiliate. He may play the whole year. Like you have no idea. So totally. All right. So this is where I got a little depressed. Oh, Wagner went eight to the Magic. I thought for sure that they were going to be a trade candidate at eight. Uh, But I really loved their draft. Suggs and Wagner were two of my favorite players. And they got Wagner with eight. And so at this point, we had Booknight and Moody at the top of our minds. And I think there was this thought that, you know, we're going to get at least one of the two. Booknight is smaller he's a shooting guard and he would have been added to that rotation of twos that we have but at the same time you know we were we were basically going back and forth between those two guys and then the kings come in and they take davion mitchell at number nine which is just i don't know i i think this was a horrible pick i think that mitchell's a great player i love his game and yet he seems like a guy that they didn't need. I feel like they could have used somebody to, I don't know, replace, you know, Bogdanovich, who they didn't match last year, or, or uh, you know, another, some depth at shooting guard. Yeah, especially since they're apparently shopping Buddy Heald, too. Yeah. Yeah, and so, anyway, Mitchell seemed... Like a, you're drafting a backup point guard at, at nine, and are you going to play Fox and Mitchell together? Maybe and Halliburton, yeah, all three of them together. That's I don't know. Um. So anyway, that then basically gave every everybody I think expected us to take Moody or Booknight yep. at that point. Yep. And then the tweet came through. Zaire Williams will be taken with the number ten pick. Now Ty. We have to give you a little bit of credit here. You had been talking How about credit. Well, no, it's more so that you were in the camp of this could be a possibility. I was like, "There's no chance." Or you you asked who we if we would take Zaire at ten. I said no chance. I don't know what the discussions. I can't remember whether we discussed whether it could happen or not. But right, 
there were, he was there were reports of him going at like potentially eight. as early as eight. Orlando to the Magic. apparently was like really high on him, had him in for workouts. Says you read that earlier, yes. Yeah, so. yeah. So we end up drafting Williams. What are the what are the reactions given the whole context that we've gone through? What were the first thoughts? Do we want to go glass half full or glass half empty first? What, what did you think? He's he's looking at you, kid. Okay, I'll go glass half yeah. full. <laughs> well, no, no, no. What were your... No, yeah. mine was glass half You were half glass full. half full. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that was just... Yeah, my... Those were your real feelings. Disposition there. when I saw it. Um, so I thought about it a few days ago and then really kind of threw it out to y'all this morning in our little group text that we have. And another guy, friend of the pod, Matt Hardlicka, had mentioned on Twitter, he tweeted like, hey, I wonder if we look to like kind of draft for need, but not really, but, like, we need wing creation scoring. I wonder if we, like, look to draft for that this year. And he was like, we may not, you know, who knows, whatnot. And I kind of replied to him, and that's kind of when the thought truly came to fruition. I was like, man, you know who, like, is apparently that's his, like, really high upside at that spot at wing creator score is Zyra Williams. No one really had him going 10. A lot of people had him going, like, late lottery right after, so, like, 17, right? Um, and that's what he said. Matt responded and was like, at 17, I would have been ecstatic. At 10, I don't really know. And that's And I, I think a I lot of people, yeah, I think a lot of Grizzlies people feel that way. Um, so that's, I mean, it's kind of like a, I don't hate it. It was a lot of people also were big on we need to take the upside swing, the upside swing, the upside. This is the year to do it. This is the year to do it. And then we do it, and everyone's like, that's not the upside swing we wanted kind of thing. Or maybe it's Here's, not a not – a, his floor is not high enough. I'm not really sure. I would love to kind of hear y'all's thoughts on it. But he is like – if he works out, like he's a 6'8", 6'9"-ish, 6'11", almost 7-foot wingspan – wing score that's I thought you, what he is i thought you were just like increasing his height by a couple inches just to like will it into <laughs> six eleven <laughs> another seven four <laughs> wingspan <laughs> no i mean he was six eight but now apparently he's six nine he had a seven or six eleven wingspan now it's seven, i don't know it's somewhere around there long tall he's, and long he's lanky so. lean yeah wing, um, wing score can create his own shot a little bit again he didn't we'll talk about what he did at stanford but let's hear y'all's kind of answer reactions first. okay so I was pretty disappointed because I felt as though Moody would have been the safe option at 10. And I think that you um, get a guy who can't, you know who can shoot. Um, Worst case scenario, he'll be a guy that can just be a 3 and D uh, Crowder type, I would say. Maybe without the toughness, however... You still you have a little bit more of a smooth game there with Moody, and I think that one of the things I also thought about was yes, we in the context of taking a pick at seventeen for upside, that's completely different to me than putting in assets, including a center that was probably your best player apart from John Morant last year, and moving up for a reason. And at that point, when you're in the top 10, there's different schools of thought. But the one that I thought that the front office was subscribing to was they had, you know, one or two guys in mind. And they were going to, 
you know, they thought that those guys would only be available around those picks. And so, who knows? There's intel that we have zero clue about that they might have had about Williams and where he was going to go. And the other part of this is that reportedly Tayshaun Prince was a huge advocate for Zaire Williams in the front office. And one question I immediately had, which we will never know the answer to, is how were there other players in the past couple years of drafts that Tayshaun also advocated for uh, because I think that's important. If this is his first guy that he's kind of put everything into, well, that makes me a little bit more nervous. But if he, let's say, was a super big advocate for Brandon Clark and trading up for him, then I trust a lot more. And so it's this weird wrinkle in all of this that not that I don't trust Tayshon and not that I don't trust Kleiman to ultimately, let's say, veto if he didn't feel it was right, but... I think it's important to mention, like, this is a risk. This is the biggest risk they've taken in any draft so far. and Maybe the only risk. It's a little bit uncomfortable yeah. in that way. We've been so comfortable with the selections that have been made because I think that there is a sense in which they've taken guys that have fallen. It's They're considered assets that have just kind of fallen through the cracks. It's also been, <clears throat> this is the first pick that, uh, NBA Twitter hasn't immediately, and I'm not talking about just Grizz Twitter, but just in general, NBA Twitter hasn't just immediately been like, oh, this is unbelievable. Correct. Which is sort of, we, you know, for the past two years. With, I think we've gotten the, used to the approval the, rating. We, we, the approval rating piece has been really fun to just kind of feel like we're kind of going along the motion and the tidal wave there. Um. So that's where there's also a different level of uncomfortability for me. And there's an opportunity cost here, which is loss of cap space, loss of potential flexibility. You didn't take back any either of the players that you took back from New Orleans. It's not like any of those are going to be positive value contracts that can go out and bring you back value. Yeah, basically, like what the question that we'll never know the answer to is literally like what. Did we move up to 10 to get Zaire? And, like, was it like we had to do it because we knew somebody else was and we were so high on him that it just needed to happen? Or did we move up and the number the guy that we originally thought we were going to get, you know, this is this is just sort of the dance of the draft that you just never know. And, and that's where <clears throat> I'll kind of get to my, like, depressed state thing that we were talking about. You know, I think if you couldn't tell from just the positivity that I was having on the previous pod where I just it just everyone was suggesting that we were doing this to move up to take that was the type of swing that I was wanting us to make was, okay. we took one step and maybe we're going to take even another step of consolidation or something else to get have a more safer big swing. Yeah, that's terrible English. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, and and it just, you know, of all of the uh, – we, we've mentioned it, and we'll just reiterate it. The theme of nobody has really understood all these smoke screens, what's really happening with the draft. I think we were really 
buying in and a lot of other folks were too that like hey there's some there's some realness to the ability to move up with some of these other teams based on what they're trying to do holistically whether it's Orlando whether it's Golden State who needs to get off and they're take, trying to take some bigger swings in free agency whether it's Toronto who's potentially blowing it up all of those sort of like storylines made sense and we're a team that had the flexibility to do it which you know not that like I mean, I'd sort of just been all in on like, oh my gosh, if we could just get Suggs, that would be incredible. But that was that's just where, to me, I I sort of buy into the fact that we were trying to move up more and we weren't able to accomplish it, and that's okay. And that's where it just circles back to the like, I mean, Zaire could turn out to be incredible. And, you know, and I do think, I mean, we're still batting a thousand. You know, the, this this front office is four for four. Yes. So that's, that's something important to come back to. It's really important. And it's but but it, here here's the thing that I will say to the contrarian view of all of it. Th- that four for four had some there there are some support there are some points about Zaire that d- do clearly fit, I think, into the previous players that we've come to appreciate and enjoy, you know, Bain, BC, Tillman, whatever. But there are some other points that we're started starting to get into that aren't the the similar kind of path of those picks where I think we're sort of like, I mean, you're describing it as uncomfortableness and I, I it's just, it's just felt a little unknown. So let's, let's dive into the player himself. Like, and contrast that with what we were saying. Let's contrast it first. So, like, for instance, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, all were what I would consider veterans of the college game that came in ready to play. Zaire, on the other hand, is essentially a raw, uh, unfinished, unpolished product on the court. And he has potential rather than certainty. That's right. And so let's talk about some of his strengths and weaknesses in – what Ty will let you kind of run through a few of these that you noticed in your 20 hours of YouTube videos. <laughs> it was all just him too. I just watched 20 hours of yeah, him. You were on it from the start. So that's the thing with him is like his college season didn't, it just gave you little flashes. Oh, can you explain to the context of the Stanford season? Yeah. So he was a, I think he was number six in last year's uh, recruiting class. Um, so that like Cade Cunningham was one, Jalen Green was two, or one of those two was one and two. Mobley was three. Um, there's you know a few other guys ahead of him, but he was number six, and apparently a loaded, loaded class. So his high school pedigree is way up there. Um, played at Sierra Canyon, um, which is clearly a really, really big basketball high school. LeBron James's son plays there. Um, Dwayne Wade's son plays there, like big, big time school. Um, and he went to Stanford. Stanford wasn't very good. Um, they had a really tough year. Uh, I don't know all these exact dates and exact stuff, but apparently they um, had to live in a hotel room for like a month or more um, due to COVID stuff. They were not able to do team practices for like the first month of the season or something like that. They could only do like individual stuff because of COVID. Um, apparently, he had a death in his family from COVID. 
Um, and he only played 20 games the whole year. Uh, so some people have mentioned that too. Like other people were like, listen, this kid had like one of the toughest years of his life. Like it's kind of understandable that he didn't have like a great on the court year. And he even talked about, it. I was kind of reading some stuff. Like he did some interview stuff, which I thought was it neat. He was like, this year was crazy hard. And he was like, but I think I learned from it. Like, I think I got better as a basketball player and better as a person from this past year. And I like look forward to, you know, taking that with me as I move forward in my career and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's glimpses of, again, like we said, a really tall, long wing creator who can create his own shot, um, hit from three, handle the ball a little bit, play make a little bit, but he's just the wing score creator kind of guy that what we were looking for, if it all works out, his stats this year were not good. Um, I think he shot 29% from three, um, like low 40% from two. He did shoot almost 80% from the free throw line, which is encouraging. A lot of people will say, like, your shot project or trajectory is tied to that more so than, like, three-point percentage from three. So he did have a good percentage from the free throw line. Um, I did read – so Jonathan Gavoni, one of the ESPN draft guys, was talking – I kind of read, like, his analysis of the pick. And apparently he was, like, killing it in workouts. Like, that's why you, it was rumored that Orlando was interested in him. Apparently he was, like, a workout king, um, was just, like, tearing it up. So that's why he was getting a lot of buzz from a lot of teams higher in the lottery was because of that reason. So it could have been that he just needed to get through some stuff. I mean, you just have no idea. And, and like another point I wanted to make, like Moses Moody had an awful tournament. When he played in the NCAA tournament, it just looked like at games you just – people will say this about different players. You forget he's even out there. Like you'd be like, where's this – I thought this guy was some lottery pick. Where is he right now? Like I don't even know he's out there. So all these young – 18, 19-year-old kids are going to have moments like that, right? Like it, I mean, I just keep thinking like Devin Booker went 13 and he was a six-man for Kentucky and look what he kind of blocked. Like you don't really know for sure. And a lot of draft people, even like local Grizz Twitter, are like they don't know anything. They don't know more than you do if you do your little research. They don't have sources. They don't have any of this kind of stuff either. They're not in the workouts. Yeah, they're not. I mean, there's some like media members that have some stuff, have some sources. But, yeah, they're not in workouts. They're not seeing this kind of stuff. And they didn't know any more than we did. So everyone will just be hesitant to be like, this is a bad pick. This is not going to work. And I yeah. wouldn't even judge it next year. I would judge this pick in like two or three years from now and see what he really turns and into. And it's kind of like I, I, we we didn't talk about this uh, until now. I sort, And so I may be wrong. But like when we drafted Jaron even at four, his youngness, like the way that he was used at Michigan State, there we were saying you can't even judge him until year For three sure. or four. Because of because of his and now now we've started to judge him in his trajectory differently just because of his outside shooting and how quickly we were like, I mean, assume as soon as summer league happened, we we're like, oh man, we've got something different in this kid, um, and and it's like maybe maybe Zaire has that or not. I, I think that there's one thing that I just I want to come back Ty to the point that you're talking about that I think we're just all learning and for me, um, until this changes. I think the past like two years I've gone into the draft just being like, dude, it's going to be nuts. There's going to be so much movement. So much stuff is going to happen. And ev everybody was saying that about this draft. It's going to be nuts. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. Now it was not sort of in the sense, which is like every other draft where some people take pe some players that were just, you know, 
didn't really think like that Toronto was gonna not take sucks. But in terms of like trades and stuff, really, it hasn't really been that crazy, and it really hasn't been crazy. I mean, honestly, we're one of the few teams that actually does stuff to move up and take some take some shots to even move up to take a weird Spanish player. Pick <laughs> and to your point, I think... Preview of the uh, ending segment yeah, of our live reaction. You. I think expectation and just... I think that sets so much up. It does. Because cause it goes to the point of with Zaire, let's, let's call this a positive. If we really believe, trust the front office, which like... You know, on Chris Wallace Memorial Day today, if you follow our you know fan Twitter account of Grizz history, you know, like this historically, I would say feels like a Chris Wallacey type pick. That's why I'm sort of sad about it. it okay, because you've got a kid who was a historical high school pedigree player. Didn't really have a great first year, so Athletic. let's look for some value because we're the small market team that can't get a great player, so let's take this big swing and see if it happens, okay? And that's probably the like p- the trauma that I, as a Grizz fan, have just had with a previous front office regime. This regime, I think, has demanded fans to trust a little bit more and maybe even journalists to trust a little bit more because of because they've earned it and I, I am going to give them that and I think that one of the reasons why we should be hesitant to to make all these big opinions is because we don't even know if we worked out the kid you can't even find it how did how did how was Tayshawn advocating for him so much if that if you trust that jur- the journal who, whoever you reference from ESPN, yeah like Chad Go Ford Google it that. and see yep. if you can find when who's if Zaire worked out for the Grizzlies. We know who he did work out for, like the Magic and all these other people. We don't know if he worked out for us. We we know we sort of had this this moody private thing that happened, and we could have taken him, and we didn't. I think that's I mean that's it's sort of the like trust too. factor thing that I kind of want to start to get bought in on. As uh, and so this is really to me. I'm just making the point very rambly that this is about trusting the front office versus trusting Zaire. Well, this is the most we've ever had to trust, which is, yeah, I think, the point here. And because this is the first of the moves where we've actually cashed in chips. Like, Jonas is a blue-chip asset that we cashed in because of his production. And also, there's an argument to be made that we lost that trade in terms of money. We'll see what Jonas's extension is. Because that also has to play a factor, or what factor. if anything happens with Bledsoe, or if we get anything for what not Bledsoe. get anything, but not getting move off but of what it. happens yeah. in terms of the roster spot, in terms of his money. But it, so that's where it's kind of this. Ooh, like yeah. I really hope that uh, that this works out because you actually had to pay a little bit more than we you effectively have. paid like what, like close to $20 million to move up seven spots to get an unproven player in Zaire. Exactly. And that's, so that's, that's, that's a lot of trust equation. Who it's we might could have gotten at 17 is that the other is my thing next too. point. So get this. Okay. We're sitting here now and the two, we've traded two picks. Okay. One of them was in the previous trade that we talked about going from 17 to 10. Guess who the Pelicans took at 17 Trey Murphy. We loved Trey Murphy. If you listen to our draft profile uh, podcast, also breaking news. Sorry, Ty. Utah. We traded uh, with Utah to get the thirtieth pick from them, and we traded. They traded back to forty. 
They just picked Jared Butler at 40. So those are two guys that we talked about really liking at 17 and 40. And we didn't think Jared was actually going to drop I thought he was going to be first round for yeah. sure. I thought that's who we were trading up to get at 30. Same. So. And so those are two examples of it's going to be really interesting to see who pans out Trey Murphy versus Zaire and then also Butler versus this Spanish center that we just got. So, and Moody versus Pitini, And Moody. Because Moody went to Golden State. Correct. Yeah. Moody was picked after us and we were rumored. So that's the comparison I'm going to be watching this next season to see whether or not this was a worthy trade. Yeah, and I think, to my point earlier, I think this next season, just judging that, we may not look great. Zaire may not come out on the top of that, the of those three guys that we just talked about, this next season, Right. And that was the thing with Moody. Everyone's like, his floor's high, his ceiling is not. You, he can step in right now and be a 3 and D wing and help you out. Trey Murphy's the exact same. He can come in right now, help you be a 3 and D wing moving forward. Neither one of them had, like, shot creator, playmaker upside. Like, no one really mentioned that with them. Zaire is, like, almost the opposite. They're like, I don't know if he's going to come in and really help you much right now, but if he, like, pans out – one name I threw out, and this is like such a stretch, so don't think I'm comp- calling him this guy. Sorry, go ahead. I just the point that you were talking about before. I don't know if this is like making your next point, but like what you just said, though, I think I am all in on that. We didn't just need someone who could just step in right now. I'm okay with that. Let me let me I, I let me just state that strategy. As something that I'm in on. You're cool with the swing. That's why I was thinking that we were going to swing a little bit harder and move up. Like, maybe we would get somebody who would help us right now. But we're literally, we are we are trying to, I say this so much, I'm like, but we are trying to build for when it's Jaws' window. Totally. When is it his window? Who are we getting people around him in to help us win? Totally. And that's another thing about even like Franz Wagner and Moody and Giddy even like, all these people kept comp- – these are like, hey, these guys are, like, going to be good, but, like, their ceilings are, like, just really good role play- – like, excellent elite role players. None of them are like, this could be a guy. Outside of, like, the top four, I included Suggs in that. Apparently, Toronto disagreed because um, they took Barnes. But everyone's like, outside of the top four, you're getting, like, their ceilings are just really good role players, except for a guy like Zaire who was like, if he hits, he could be incredible. But there's a chance he doesn't hit. His like comp was really Brandon know. Ingram for what it's worth. So Yeah, Brandon Ingram and Cam Reddish. And honestly, to me, it feels so similar to Paul George. And I'm not saying he's going to be Paul George, but Paul George is like this 6'9 skinny kid who went to like Fresno State, some like the small school in California, got picked I think like right around 10, 11, 12, if I remember correctly. I don't remember when Paul George got picked. But he came into the league as like, hey, if this guy hits, he's going to be good. He's a long tall wing who can score and then he developed into what he is now there's not like a ton of those guys around though so it's not i'm not gonna say like oh this is a great chance he turns into this guy but there is a chance i don't know if there's a chance for like moody to turn into that i don't know if there's a chance for trey murphy to turn into that right um and uh, yeah again to the thing like we don't know the people we follow on twitter most of them do not know we do not know right this kid is a project and I think it's just not the project everyone was expecting, kind of to your point, Will. So now we're kind of like, ooh, I don't know about this. Like, I didn't really see this coming. I don't know how I feel. And now we're automatically just 
not all of us, but as a unit, Grizz fans, are, it's probably going to be easy to write it off and be like, I don't like this at all. Why? Because I don't understand it. Right? Great quote in the Batman movie. You always fear what you don't understand. <laughs> it could be something like that. Branley's just Man. shaking his head so hard at me right now. No, I like it. I'm okay, just... <laughs> but I, let me make another point. That was a positive head shake. There, also, on the other end, I think that we will talk ourselves into him too quickly as well. Like, I've seen that on Twitter, too. Just with I've seen both. It's been the polar polarization yeah, of this that. pick. And I think that just like almost everything in life, the truth is probably something right in the middle. Can I say, can I ask a question to see what y'all think about this? Because it's just, I think that this pick does say something about our intentions for our roster for the, for the rest of the season. As in, you think that we could see some space opening up around the small forward position? Yes. As in, let's say Kyle Anderson? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because it's like if you list our players now, like let's assume Bledsoe's gone and Adams is just a backup center to fill in maybe when we don't want Jaron or Tillman to get minutes. I think Adams is going to start. Damn, that's a take. For I real? I don't think Steven Adams will start. I do too. You don't? Man. I don't, I don't we think We can that's, talk about that later. This is, yeah, we'll that's, talk about that's that later. a later conversation. But, but, okay, yeah. but for Zaire to get minutes – during the season, who loses? Who 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 does he take minutes? Dylan over? Brooks and Kyle Anderson. Dylan's he's not, not going to take minutes yeah. over Dylan. I don't think he's going to take it over really Kyle either. I think he he's takes your. I think he takes. Well, that's the thing because Jaron was hurt all year, so I was going to say like I think he takes the Justice minutes, but Justice didn't, didn't really play exactly. He didn't really play when Jaron came back. He's going to play because he's the obviously we are going to play him. But that's the thing, like. That was my other point about you move like us moving up to like get a guy. I thought we were going to do that space. because we have we have so many assets available to us. We have young players on really good contracts and a decent bit of draft equity moving forward. I thought we were going to use that, consolidate it, and move up, and, and not, we didn't. So now we're we were aggressive, but aggressive in a different way, right? Does and it's sense? not just Kyle. It's also I think it's uh, we're sort of uh, Zaire kind of fits in this. Like I don't love this term that much because I think it's I don't think it's real, but like the 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 theme of like positionless basketball sort of where you can have a couple of players that can all flow in and out of certain wing types and not really worry about the really the two through four position and not exactly worry, you know, which which meaning like high switchability, high ability to 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 guard multiple types of defenders to play different types of roles on the court offensively. Um, we just – we have so many guys that fit into that category of thing now, which is cool. But uh, if you put Kyle in that bucket, so Kyle, Dylan, Melton, Grayson, I mean, you have all these guys – Bain, that's five. All of a sudden, it's like, who, who's going to play? You, we got to get rid of some of them. It's the same thing we've been saying all the time. Or he's just not going to get minutes, and we're never going to know what you got in him. And he's the kind of guy that needs to get some minutes off the bench. Yeah, right? For sure. I think that uh, the one concern that I have about him is that the three-point shot is a, is a question mark. That's not his premium skill. I think his, his is more on the creation side, which is great. 
I think we need that in the half court majorly. We don't have a lot of guys that can create their own shot uh, themselves when the shot clock is winding down and they get it kicked out to him with seven seconds left. He's a guy that can do that, but also I am worried. I think that let's say that he starts off in the first 10, 12 games and is shooting 31% or below from three that you're going to get a lot of people saying, we needed shooting. Why did we take another guy like this who can't shoot but has quote unquote upside for you know an athleticism like like you said it kind of feels that like a Chris Wallace pick. On the other hand, people need to be patient. So yeah, we're we're gonna live in the now. We're gonna do it too. Like I'm sitting right. here telling all of you listeners not to do that. I'm gonna do it 100. percent I remember when Jaron had that summer league game where he hit nine threes and I was like this is the second coming of Larry Bird oh my gosh what is this dude doing <laughs> and then he started the season and he like couldn't hit anything for like a month or two and I was just like oh well that was a fluke um it even happened uh lat not this past season but the one before with Jaron you remember when Ja came and everyone was like what is Jaron's role like he just looks like he's just floating out there like he doesn't even know what he's doing and then halfway through the season it was like oh this is what it looks like when Ja and Jaron are clicking together so I think it is going to take time, but man, to your, to Brantley's point, I guess yours too, Will. Like, I mean, Melton's minutes were so crunched, right? Like, and he he should be like everyone was like, this guy's great. He was playing like eighteen minutes a night at the at the most. Um, Grayson was starting and playing a ton of minutes. Bain was only getting like 12, 14 minutes a night. Bain was one of the best three point shooters in the entire league last year, not just including rookie. Yeah, everyone would love to see Bain get more minutes yeah, next year. Absolutely. So I think, I think the trade deadline is going to be interesting. We'll talk about all that much later. But when you have expiring contracts, essentially Bledsoe if he stays, Kyle Anderson's expiring, Tyus is expiring. We have something to look at. I don't know what any of that means. It's way too early, but. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting little time crunch and roster crunch with him. Um, and I'm not saying, too, so. that he has to necessarily get a ton of minutes this year for this to be, like, a justified selection. Yeah. Like, he doesn't. We don't, like, we talked about time. We mentioned it very briefly that we basically have our starting lineup set. And, yeah, it can have, have a couple. We have 10. We have 10 guys set. It can have this, a couple variations, but it's not like we're looking for we're, – we're not a Detroit where we're looking for Cade Cunningham to come in and be our number one guy yep. next year. Like, we have our our hierarchy pretty set, and we would love for a guy, let's say, like Dylan Brooks, to maybe take a step back offensively. And we, you know, hopefully Zaire can slot in and maybe take some of that creation <laughs> – uh, from Dylan, which is fine, but uh, yeah. Can I just ask you a question, real quick? How many minutes per game do you think that Bain averaged? I'm gonna say thirteen. Twelve and a half. I mean, was it less? If I'm reading this right, I'm not. I mean, it's about to be a really bad pod. I think it's twenty-two minutes. Dang, that surprises me. And and I would have said that I wanted him to have more. Somebody fact check me though. Is that playoffs or regular season? It's regular season per game, twenty two minutes per game. That's nice. Re- I I would have thought that I would have I, I would have wanted him to get more minutes. Same. Them. And and so now looking at him, like man, that's the right amount of number. So, well, he also they don't. The good thing is they don't have they don't play the same position, so that shouldn't be an issue. I was just Bain. making it like a rookie comparable. In the in the playoffs, he played nineteen minutes per game. Yeah. So like we, I don't. I mean, I think 
we would hope that Bain at least keeps that amount. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just saying like for to evaluate a, a top 10 player, you, you want him to get at least, I would think he should get 15 minutes per game in the first season. Right. You would, you I would want to see, see that for sure. Um, but you've also had, I mean, I know like the Ben Simmons thing was due to injury and Joel and B. Like, I don't even think they played at all in their rookie years. Like, you, Zion was, I mean, I know it was injury. I'm assuming, health. I'm assuming if he's healthy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, summer League will be fun. Summer League will be we'll fun. We'll have a real Summer League this year. You would love to, yeah, you would love to see it. Um, but I, you don't know that much right now. I think there's, I think it's warranted to feel a little uneasy about it, but I don't think you should definitely – I don't think you should write it off no. right now. I think we will know more about this pick down the road. Um, if I can Wait just, to judge it then. If I could put my thoughts into one sentence, it would be, I feel like we could have gotten Zaire at 17, but I trust the front office. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's and it. That's the tweet? Isn't that what the kids say? That's Yeah, that's it. That's the tweet. Um, so, anyway, any final thoughts before we close it down for the night? It's already been – it's already late. Um, Apparently our 30th pick is the – we talked about the next coming of Larry Bird, the next coming of Dirk. Perfect. Just kidding. I can't wait for you all to hear us live react right after we shut this You pronounce down. his name correctly, too, which is pretty awesome. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Deputy Commissioner, I'm coming for your job. All right, well, this has been a, a the third annual NBA Draft edition of the Grizzden Pod, definitely the most confounding of the three. Uh, we are excited to see uh, Zaire Williams. Shout out to Zaire Williams' dad. Just, I mean, ultimate drip, as the kids say. Uh, he'll fit right in. Uh, but welcome to Memphis to both of our draft picks, and we are excited for Summer League moving forward, for Ty, for Brantley. I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. Dude, we love jumping up into this first round. All right, so we are recording this <laughs> live. We just got the tweet from Will. Are we Woj. on right now? Is Let's go. We're on. Uh, hey Utah. Guys. Jazz have traded number 30 to the Memphis Grizzlies. The second year in a row, the Grizzlies have traded up to the last pick of the first round. It worked out last year with last Desmond Last time we Bain. traded with the Jazz, it worked out okay. All right, so let's see who else is on the board here. Uh, Jaden Springer was picked at number 28, who was somebody we were discussing earlier, a potential uh, trade-up for the Grizz. Um, who's on the board? Let me, let me see. Javon Sharp. Hey, did, did it Just say who we get, what we had to give up to move up? Um, no, it hasn't yet. If you read the tweet, don't say it out loud who we got. I did read the tweet. Well, don't say it yet. Just don't say it. Okay. We got to watch it. What do you, do you know the, the details? I don't know the details okay. of You just know the who trade. the pick is. Ty likes to act like Twitter and social media doesn't exist. It's really cute. This screen just went black. Oh, it's back. Okay. Interesting. Will knows. There's still three minutes. I do left. know. If you want to say it, you can. Because uh, I mean, there's. I don't know when the pick is. This gonna... is really good pod, by the way. Everyone. So we are selecting Santi Aldama out of Spain. Really? Yes. Did you make that name up? 
Shockingly, I did not. He's a six eleven. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna guess center. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean you haven't watched his draft comps? No. Did we keep pick forty? He played for Loyola. He was the MVP of the 2019 Under 18 European Championship. What year was that? 2019, you said. He was a he was a powerful. He was a four slash five. We love our four slash fives here in Memphis. Interesting. Well, we, we can't speak on that one because I've never heard of that person before in my life. So. I don't even know how to say it. I, I'm guessing it's Santi, but I don't know that for sure. We'll get back to you on that one. Um, I do not really know. I know Is Jared Butler still on the board? Please tell me no. Butler is still on the board. Man, that's a bummer. I know his health is an issue, but I thought he could have been really fun. Combo guard next to Ja or behind Ja or whatnot. Uh, maybe it's just like, you know, we get the 30th pick and we send in two seconds or something like that and we keep 40. I really yeah. don't know. That'll be interesting if we just swapped and would send another second and just said. Because that's what we did with Boston last year. We did right. two seconds, took on a little salary, and they gave us 30. Um, so Number how old is this guy? Do we know how old he is? Um, he... We do not know. Oh, he's 20. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Number 60 on the Ringers mock draft. Perfect. Love picking a guy 30 spots ahead of what people said he would go. There's a trend that we're going to talk about there, guys. A trend of maybe picking someone a little too high. Yeah. We're sending pick number 40 in two future seconds. All right. So the draft might be over. For the Gris at that. <laughs> All right, more intel uh, we received. ESPN.com has a uh, an, an analysis of our 30th pick of, uh, of Santi Aldama. Um, let me just read this sentence. <laughs> Aldama had a mysterious draft process, not conducting any publicly known workouts with NBA teams and electing to decline an invitation to the NBA draft combine citing a desire to, quote, continue his career in Spain, end quote. He openly discouraged teams from selecting him, going as far as to turn down Zoom interviews after returning to his home country. Most NBA teams assumed he received some type of assurance that he'll be drafted or will receive a two-way contract after going undrafted, and hearing his name called Thursday likely confirms that he was shut down by Memphis several months ago, likely much higher than what they thought they needed to when they made the promise. So, kind of a weird situation here. Uh, we mentioned draft and stash. Um, it's very strange. It's also, very shout strange. out to uh, our our private sources on our Grizzden Slack channel for posting that content fresh for us to be able to read to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, shout out. Santi sounds like he's going to be a Memphis Hustle uh, all-star. So, we'll see. We'll see. So sorry, Jonte. All right, Jonte. All right, thanks, guys.